This is the Horse Radio Network. Hello, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Sport Horse Podcast. I'm Nicole Lakin. And I'm Tim Borden. And we have another fantastic guest to chat with today. We're now over three months into this podcasting journey, and we're so thankful for all the positive comments and feedback that we've received so far. We have some really exciting things coming down the pipeline, and we're pumped to share all of this with you as soon as we can. So stay tuned. Um, But for now, let's get into this week's episode. Our guest today is Enika Smith, who is currently completing her PhD at Utrecht University. I had the opportunity to travel uh, to the the Netherlands last year, and I met Inika at Utrecht, and she kind of gave us a tour around the lab, and it was just fascinating to hear what they've been up to. So I definitely wanted to make sure she got on the podcast at some point. So Inika is focusing on equine lameness and standardization of muscle activity measurements during locomotion. She is mainly interested in muscle activation patterns that cause movement and how they may change when an animal experiences pain or discomfort. She's part of a multidisciplinary team ranging from veterinarians to machine learning specialists that aim to discover the different pieces of the puzzle to improve equine welfare and applies her findings to clinical practice. Hi, Inika, and welcome to the Sport Horse Podcast. Nicole and I are so excited to have you on the show today. Hi. Uh, yeah, I'm so excited to be here, actually. It's uh, such an honor that you asked me. We have a lot to cover today, so we'll jump right into it. Uh, you were doing human biomechanics research before transitioning to working with horses. What motivated you to make the switch to studying horses? There are actually uh, so many things. It is, it's, it's been on my mind for a long time to work with horses. Actually, I, I grew up with them. Uh, my, grandfa- my grandfather used to uh, breed jumping horses so I actually grew up with horses as well and um, yeah I actually wanted to become a vet uh, and I didn't manage to do this because uh, in the Netherlands you have a weird system that you can only get in uh, by luck Um, and I didn't wasn't so lucky but in the end I ended up in horses uh, after all so it was so nice that these people where I work now at the university in Utrecht, that they gave me this opportunity and they, they got someone else than, than a vet, than like someone not from the horse industry, actually. Um, so, yeah, that's that's it's luck that I'm here, but it's also um, that I always wanted to work with animals and the horse in particular. So I used to ride horses when I was young and um I've had a passion for them for forever. And not only the horse, it's it's all the animals. I come from the countryside. We had cows around, we had dogs around. And animals are so intriguing and so honest, uh, which makes them a super nice subject to study in general. That's awesome. Um, so your, your lab is really focused on better understanding equine movement, both to detect lameness issues and for the quantification of performance. And one of the tools you use is the Equimove system. Could you explain how it works and what type of information it provides? Um, yeah, I can at least try. Um, so the Equimove <laughs> system is uh, not my specialty, unfortunately. It was developed, however, uh, in at the university at our lab uh, together with some other companies. Um, and it's actually a m- system that measures movement, so to say. So it measures kinematics. Um, and it does this in terms of acceleration, but also angles. Um, and with some super difficult algorithms, we can get the actual movement out of this. So what we do 
is we stick some sensors called IMUs on the horse on some super specific places, which we want to measure. So for instance, the four legs, um, but also on the head, the withers, the pelvis, actually every body part you want to quantify in terms of movement. Um, and, and we start to just measure these things and, and we can look at, uh, in the end, we can look at things like symmetry, but also range of motion. So you can see how does the leg move uh, forward, backward, but also um, uh, sideways. So you can see rotations as well. And, and in terms of upper body, we can look at the curve that it makes uh, during a whole stride. And that's really fascinating. Inika, I wonder if you could explain from your area of expertise how having a system like that um, impacts what what makes it different than our existing tools previous to that kind of technology. So, uh, you know, most people have access to you know what they feel and what they can see, and that's sort of the traditional tools that we we use to evaluate horses. So, what what does um, a system like this and being able to quantify um, movement, what, is, what does that mean? What does it do for people or for horses rather? <laughs> I think yeah, it's a super good question. I think it helps both the human and the horse actually. So for the human, it gives, it gives numbers to your feeling, right? So you um, get the quantification, actually, uh, that's the perfect word for this, of what you feel. So if you feel like your horse might have an off day, this might translate into an asymmetry. Or if your horse feels stiff, you might see this at, uh, in a different angle that like an angled trajectory the limp will make. Um, so, so it will help the, the rider by this, but it will also help the horse. So if this is future talk, of course, but if you would be able to measure your horse on a weekly or daily even basis, um, you might be able to see the moment that the horse changes um, and you will see uh, some uh, good changes. So you might get a more symmetrical horse. So you will feel like, oh, my horse is doing so much better. And you measure him next time and you see that the horse improved in symmetry or you see that the horse has uh, larger strides or you get more elevation. Um, and on the other hand, you can say like, oh, my horse has not been feeling well for about a week. And you can quantify this and show these numbers to your vets. Um, but this is, of course, the future. For now, Equimoves is a system that's not commercially available. Unfortunately, it's it's uh, made for research also. Um, and it's um, used by vets a lot. So, so the vet could actually help you quantify what you are feeling as a rider. Um, and the horse might be uh, helped earlier on in the in the lane. Like you can prevent the lameness because you you can measure if the horse is just changing and and it's becoming worse instead of better, so to say. That's it's really really cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, re really exciting to see this uh, technology developing. Uh, and when I was over at uh, Utrecht last summer, I guess it was uh, just incredible to see uh, what your what the group there is doing and how, because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think pretty much every horse that comes into the clinic uh, is getting those sensors put on, right? And it's almost creating this massive database for every horse coming in with kind of an orthopedic complaint or an, a lameness complaint, kind of collecting this data. And then you can start to figure out, okay, with all the horses that kind of present with this way, when the data says, when the data from the equimo moves kind of detects these issues, then maybe it's related to this. And 
Yeah, unfortunately, it's like like you say now, it's it's only cases with orthopedic problems. Like you don't go to a vet where your horse is doing super well. So uh, we have a large body of data for horses that are not doing super well. Um, but many owners choose to have their horse measured nowadays. And I think one of the big, big advantages is that it's sort of a help for the memory of the vet. So often you know this, right? A horse comes to the clinic, it has some minor injury, it will get rehabilitation, which is mostly rest. Uh, and then it was a small lameness in the beginning. And then you come back six weeks later or eight weeks later, and the vet has to say if the horse is improved. Um, this is very, very difficult. And humans, like, I, I wish we were better, but we're so biased in general. Um, so we will see the horse. It will maybe not have changed, but we see them as improved. Um, and that's because we want to see this. And I think this is one of the major advantages for both vet, horse and owner, and maybe even trainers, um, to actually be able to objectively say your horse is doing this much better. Uh, which means we only have to do this much or you can go to the next step of rehabilitation or your horse is getting worse, which is also a possibility, right? Um, so it's it's just nice to be able to reassure uh, vets, trainers, riders, and ultimately increase the welfare of these horses using these kind of methods. That's so important. And I, th I think it's a nice transition into our next question here. So one of the really cool things I think about uh, Utrecht in, in general, but you, what your lab is doing specifically, is that in, in addition to performing this cutting edge research, you also go out into the community and you're working with everyday riders and owners to demonstrate how technology can provide this valuable information. What types of uh, data or information do you find really helpful in those settings? What do people really want to know? I, I find this so interesting as a question because... I wish we were going out more and more into the community, but because of Corona and, and uh, because of research life, um, it's not happening as much as we want to. Um, but we get so many different questions from different owners because they all want to know something different, right? So it, I think when it comes down to it, it might really depend on the kind of discipline your horse is used for. So if we have a horse who is in like is an endurance horse, you might want to know something about his stamina, right? So you want to know um, you want to know what his heart rate is at a certain intensity of exercise. You might want to know what the breathing rate is. Uh, you might want to know the blood lactate levels at certain uh, points of your training. Um, but if you have a dressage horse, the symmetry at all gates, well, all gates except canter uh, is super important because you want your horse to be in balance and you want him to do as well on the left as on the right side and and even if you increase difficulty like you're going into passage or piaf even you want a nice symmetrical horse it it just gets the higher grades um but then again if you need the horse to be explosive in like a jumping uh, course you might want to know which muscles are active at which time points um, and you want to know which exercises might target these specific muscles in, in a nice way. Um, so I really, really think it's, it's in, it depends on what you want to use your horse for. And symmetry is important for all disciplines, I think. Um, and and the, maybe the most important thing and what all owners want is to monitor their horse. 
They want to know over a long period of time if you're going in the right direction, if you're going um, like more towards uh, higher symmetry or larger strides or, or faster horses. Um, I think the monitoring might be the most wanted thing and and what kind of thing you monitor it can be heart rate it can be subjective right it can be like a diary of, of things but they just want to see how can i improve with my horse and how can i not break him might even be a more important question uh that most people worry about it's like how how much am i asking from my horse and when do i know it's enough and the only thing i can always tell them is we also don't know uh that's uh one important thing uh, we are making baby steps and we're starting at the uh, like compared to human the human field right we we are starting at a whole different point than where they are now and it would be just so nice if if we can monitor these horses and and give them an answer to these questions but we're i don't think we're at that stage yet unfortunately uh do you find it's interesting that you said um, that people are really wanting to monitor and and record what their horses are are doing? Um, I, I wonder if it's a a, a cultural thing um, because I think um, in North America we hear sometimes that people are a little bit more resistant to that, whether it's a time crunch issue or um, they just don't necessarily see the value. Do you find um, like a, any sort of trends it, it based, you know, by discipline or or location or anything like that? And um, is, is this a new thing that you're finding that people are are more um, more likely to to be wanting to record and monitor all of these all these important things? Um, well, that's a nice question. I I haven't really thought about yet, but I think. What what the trend is, like we all know the discussions are happening about horse welfare. And I think that increases people's willingness to, to monitor their horses and to also for themselves know that what you're doing is right and what you're doing is fair. I think that's one of the important things. And on the other side, we we also don't know what a normal horse is, right? Because this is also a question we we get asked multiple times. Like, is my horse moving like a normal horse? Well. I don't know. Have you seen like a Lusitano move and then a jump, like an elite jumping horse move? That's what is normal. Like what we just want to know is what is abnormal for an individual horse. And I think more and more people want to not only do this with their opinions and their feelings, but want some data to um, to just support their feelings and um if that's a trend that we see in europe well i think with the technology becoming more widely available people are more likely to um to to monitor in general like there are so many apps out there that can monitor a horse in in, in subjective terms maybe but there's also like every phone has an acceler accelerometer right mm -hmm. so i've seen a paper i think from from uh, an english group a couple of years ago where they just stuck an iphone on the pelvis of a horse and then measured it i think with these technologies evolving so fast um it's just availability that makes people more likely to do it and yeah there will always be people who resist this that do traditional 
maybe more traditional things and, and they are afraid of what data might tell them. Um, but I hope this group is getting less big and the group that is wanting to know more and wanting to justify whatever they are doing, that that, that group is growing in the end. Yeah, I, I have to admit, even myself personally, who I'm I'm like a, a technology geek and I, I love all this stuff. When when some of the early technologies came out that were meant to sort just sort of track exercise um, for the horse, so um, like some saddles, some some wearable devices, stuff like that. Um, I was really I kind of rolled my eyes. I was a little skeptical. I said I I know how much I I work my horse to the right and to the left and how much I trot versus canter. And I, why do I need a you know a saddle to tell me that or a a sensor to tell me that? Um, and, and now I've come to understand just how important it is to record that information. And just by having that sensor automatically record it for you, you're saving yourself a tremendous amount of time. You're getting an added level of, um, accuracy and specificity. Um, and, and you're getting really valuable data that because you have it, you can then go back and look at trends and, um, you know, start to start to add in more complex, um, data data sets and and information and and also um you know insights and and things that you that you you know see and and feel on your horse so um i i admit that i i too was um a bit of a skeptic at first um but even even the simplest um the simplest ways of of monitoring your horse i think can be really valuable if you if you look at it you know in an open-minded way I, I totally agree with you. And and I have to say, like, I am a biased person, right? I work in this field. So, of course, I'm a fan of this technology. <laughs> um, but it, it doesn't have to be so extensive. We, we Like, heart rate monitors are widely available. But even mm-hmm. if you just record the time of your training, what did you do? Um, and I am, I am very biased by myself. I have a horse. I used to jump. I, uh, I used... I, I was thinking I was doing certain things. And then when you record some sessions, uh, even with a camera, we I, I just find found out that I was doing so many things differently. It's it's also a more maybe a reality check for yourself also about what you're doing. And um yeah, I get that not everyone is going to measure their horse and it's not necessary. It's just um nice to to be able to monitor your horse in general. Uh, if it's with sensors or with pictures or with videos every once in a while, um, it's just nice to be able to also see what is happening instead of only feeling what is happening. Right, right. So coming back to using data to detect lameness, you published a really interesting paper in the Equine Veterinary Journal this year. Uh, usually when we think about lameness and detecting it, we think about looking for a smaller range of motion. So more movement from one limb versus the limb on the other side of the body and so on. But you had some really cool findings looking at continuous variables. Can you tell you, tell us what that means and what type of information it provides? Uh, yeah, the, I, we can definitely do this. This um, <laughs> was a paper that's heavily, statist- like very statistically oriented. So um, I hope you got through it a bit. Um, but what we kind of try to describe is we we often try to reduce movement to um, like one number values. 
So either you look at symmetry and you want to know the symmetry of the head and that's uh, so many millimeters. Um, or you want to look at range of motion of the limb, as you said, and you look at uh, how far it goes forward and how far it goes backward. But these are all oriented at peak values, right? Um, but what we kind of try to argue is that sometimes with more complex cases of lameness or even um, with simple case of lameness, these alterations, the main alterations might be at the peaks, but some alterations can also be somewhere else on the whole motion cycle, right? Because motion is not a thing of numbers. It's a whole chain of, of mo movement and, and it has um, so many complex pieces of this puzzle. So what we try to describe is if the changes do not happen at the peaks, where do they happen? Is there a time shift or is there uh, somewhere in the middle of a stride, the hip does something differently instead of at the, the ends of it, so the peaks of it. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what we try to do. And, and it's not saying that these um, single values are not valuable because they are super valuable. They're so easy. And it's also what the vet looks at, right? So if you go with your horse, to the veterinarian and you have a lameness problem, it will look at the peaks because it's the head nod that everyone looks at or it's the hip drop that everyone looks at. Um, but if you have more complex cases of lameness, like in this study, we had a group of bilaterally hind limb lamenesses, which is like notoriously difficult to recognize anyway, uh, especially in smaller horses because their range of motion is tiny and their stride frequency is super high. It's very difficult to see anything. And, and then if you have a bilateral hind limb problem, it doesn't necessarily need to be asymmetrical because both limbs hurt the same amount. So what are you going to look at if you can't use symmetry? And that was kind of why we did this study. Um, and it was nice that we found some actual changes that that increased over time. So for instance, the pelvis rotation, um, like around the axis of the horse didn't become bigger or smaller, but in the middle, it did the weird, like during the mid stance of the face of the limb, it, it did a weird bump. Um, and it's nice to be able to see that also at other points of the gait cycle, something happens. And, and it's maybe not needed now for detecting unilateral lameness, but if we are going to look at decreased performance, for instance, or at the bilateral problems, this might give some information. And even like this is, again, the future. Maybe if we can look at the whole curves, we can locate lamenesses. I don't know this, of course, but it might be true that if you have a tendon injury, something different is happening than when you have a bone injury. Um, but yeah, I cannot I cannot say anything about it, of course. It's just I hope this this happens at some point. Yeah, that's really exciting. That's that's fascinating, Inika. And um like just thinking about the, the timing, I think especially is really, really interesting. I remember uh like listening to a talk given by a really top uh sports doctor here in North America, a guy that's leave your uh a top level basketball or football or hockey player. Like he's kind of the guy you fly into a leisure rehabilitation. And he was talking about how essentially every injury is almost a brain injury because you have such, such a strong neural component. Uh, right. And um, I think that's the type of stuff that really comes through when you're starting to look at the, the time shifts a little bit. And even if 
the movement itself like goes through the same range of motion and like hits the same peaks. I think it's sometimes that timing that can be really informative of, yeah, there's still something not quite right here. Or as you say, like the early detection, I think it's really, really cool. And uh, this may be a good transition into the next question. So you're doing some really groundbreaking work looking at muscle activation patterns in horses. Can you tell us about how electromyography uh, works and the types of questions that you can answer with it? And um, we know that it hasn't been used as much in horses, but what are you most excited about to answer with EMG or electromyography? Yeah, this is kind of my, yeah, I'm just going to say it's science baby, right? I love this topic. <laughs> this is what I'm super enthusiastic about. And I, I'm very excited that, that you guys find this interesting too. But um, yeah, the electromyography is so interesting and it's mainly like EMG, so electromyography, it measures the activation of the muscle, right? So it tells you something about when is the muscle on, which muscles work together, um, is this muscle like healthy or fatigued? Um, so it kind of what I find really cool about it is that it it visualizes something that we cannot see with the eye. If we think about kinematics, so what Acrimoves is used for. Of course, it's super precise and, and much better than what we see with the eye. But if you would record a horse from the side and you would play it in slow motion, you would be able to see this movement of the limb and you would be able to see the movement of the head. But we cannot see what causes this movement. Um, and this is what muscle activation in combination with, of course, some laws of Newton. Um, this is I am a geek. Sorry. This is what you say <laughs> sometimes. Um so this is actually another piece of the puzzle that we cannot see with our eyes. It's um, That makes me very interested in it. And as you said, there is not much done in the horse. We don't know so much. There are, of course, a few studies, but there are still major limitations or there used to be major limitations in why we couldn't use this in horses. Um, and that's also the challenge for me. So what I'm working on at the moment is, is trying to standardize how we use this technique. Um, it's now mobile. It used to not be, so that makes it difficult to use on the horse, but now we can at least try. Um, and, and we're just working on where do we place electrodes? Uh, how much do we need to prep, prepare the skin? Um, and, also, how what are the effects of speed? Like these are these are things you can think about. But for the future, we can think about questions like uh, which exercise targets which muscle, like we talked about before. So if you are jumping, which muscles are most active? Or uh, if you're doing a piaf or passage and you see it's a bit asymmetrical, can we see if the left and the right side of the horse are producing the same amount of work uh, with their muscles? But also um when does my when do the muscles of my horse become fatigued which is a very different question than when do does my horse become fatigued because if you're thinking of yourself doing i don't know push-ups uh my upper arms get fatigued super fast but it doesn't mean that my whole body is fatigued right so maybe to prevent injury in the future you might want to know when do these hind limb muscles become fatigued and when does the movement become messy, so to say, and, and maybe that's the point we need to stop. Um, or if you see that one day the muscles become fatigued after an hour and the next day after 10 minutes, 
maybe your horse is not recovered properly yet. Uh, we might be able to say something about overtraining. Um, well, I hope at least that's what we can say in the future. Um, I hope we go there, actually. That would be super nice. That's beyond fascinating. I, I can't wait to see, um, you know, what your what your research and what your work uncovers. And um, undoubtedly, it'll be, you know, really valuable for all, all horse owners and, and horses everywhere. Um, so I, uh, unfortunately, you know, want to respect your time. So it's, uh, time for our last question, which is one that we ask all of our guests. Um, if you could speak directly to a horse and they could totally understand you, what's, uh, one or two things that you would want them to know? Yeah, I heard you ask, like, of course I listened to the previous episodes and I find it such <laughs> an intriguing, intriguing question. Like, Oh, there's so many things I would like to know. And and what I would actually like to know is what, what does the horse like? When is it fun? When is it not so much fun? Or when does it is, an exercise become annoying or painful? Um, this is what I would like to know, of course. And also, I would just like to tell the horses that we are so thankful of the bond we have with horses. It's a, such a majestic animal and it's like there's a reason why this is the most portrayed animal after humans in in history like we have so many statues and so many paintings with all these horses on it and there's a reason and that's because we have a special bond with them and i think that's something they should know and we should know perfect well you know kind of like i nicole and i were both really excited about this episode uh you did not disappoint it's really exciting to, see, to hear about uh the research that your lab's doing that you're doing and I know that uh, it's going to just lead to some really cool findings down the road. And, and I think, again, it, it's something that, you know, there are aspects we can apply to practice today. But even just looking five, 10 years down the road, like I think that it's just going to become more commonplace and it's going to just have an incredible impact on the industry. So thank you so much for uh, taking the time to speak with us. Thank you so much for, well, first the kind words and, and secondly that you had me. I always like to speak about these things and it's so nice to speak with like-minded people in general. That was another really, really interesting episode. Um, Inika is just doing great work as well as the whole team at Utrecht University. Uh, a couple of take-homes I thought were just really valuable is to think about what we're doing today versus what it will look like in five years. Uh, as more of this technology comes on board, it is going to become possible to monitor our equine athletes more and more closely. And I think to just have an, an, an additional piece of information or pieces of information that we can plug in and combine that with the expert opinion of your trainer, your veterinarian, your farrier. Now it's just going to be so much more possible to create a true picture of what's going on with your horse. And I think that's really cool. And then towards the end of the episode, talking about electromyography and the muscle activation, I think that that's something that is going to have a tremendous impact on how we begin to train horses. If you can potentially collect that on an individual horse, then you can start to understand, you know, when the horse is lazy, when it's flatting around the ring, like maybe there's something going on and it's just not turning on a certain muscle in a certain way. And we can start to develop maybe training tools or modalities that can target certain activation patterns. So get the muscle to fire at the correct time. Or even I'm, I'm thinking about if you're going to uh, go and travel somewhere and look to buy horses, 
if you could think about how potentially testing that a horse that you're going to purchase and figuring out, okay, like it, it turns on its muscle really well when it does certain movements, it doesn't turn the muscle on quite as well at other times. And is it something you can start to train? And like, maybe that's an opportunity to buy a horse that's not quite at the top level yet. And if you feel comfortable, you can train it in certain ways to, to develop those tools. Then you can, uh, you know, maybe get a horse that could be a really real star in the future. So it's, it's really exciting to think about all the opportunities and all the uh, potential of this technology. So for sure, stay tuned to Indica's research because it's going to completely change uh, the sport, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's crazy to hear that while it is definitely in the future, it's, it's not that far off. Um, and, and it definitely does represent a way to kind of bring sports science and horsemanship together in, in a really unique and powerful way um, to help us you know, really provide better, better care and, and management of our horses and, and better welfare um, and just be better horse people. So I, I thought it was so exciting. I also think it's so funny that no matter how cool the science is and how advanced it is, we keep coming back to this central theme of, you know, write it down, record it, keep track of things. Um, you know, if you, if you don't measure it, you can't manage it. Um, so I, I kick myself in the butt too, because I've, not always great at that. And I, I was, like I said, a, a bit of a skeptic about recording simple information. But at the end of the day, if you're not recording simple information, then you know, you're know you not going to be able to make much sense, sense of the complicated information. And I think the excitement of, of the future and what's coming down the road can give us the, the kick in the butt that we all need to, to do what we can now. Every, every little bit matters. Um, every every one percent improvement um, makes a difference, and um, it's something that we can all do. It, no matter you know our limitations of, of time, money, and other resources, we can all all keep really really simple records of what we're doing. So, with that said. Um, I want to thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to like it, follow us in whatever podcasting app that you're listening to uh, the episode in today, um, share the episode so that your friends can find us. Um, leaving a review also really helps other people to find our episode. So be sure to do that. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Sport Horse Series. That's Sport Horse Series, not Sport Horse Podcast. I know that could be a little bit confu confusing, but um, the Sport Horse Series encompasses both our podcast episodes and our really cool video library that you can check out on our website, which is www.sporthorsepodcast.com. For the links to today's guests and the show notes, you can also go to sporthorsepodcast.com. And uh, you can always, as always, you can have all 20 plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go by downloading our free app for iPhone and Android. Go to the App Store and search Horse Radio Network. As always, here's to keeping your sport horses happy and healthy.